Some women impersonate Sex in the City's Carrie Bradshaw with vast closets full of fantastic clothing. Even Sarah Jessica Parker pretends to be Carrie Bradshaw when she walks the red carpet. However, there is one woman in New York City who, if he knew her, would have been Darren Starr's real muse. Let me introduce you to Susan S. Warner, the adorable, petite blonde who at 59 lost her handsome, extraordinary husband to cancer six months after her wonderful 32-year-old son died by suicide. It's now four years later. After the most challenging days and nights, Susan decided to live her best life possible. And just like that, Susan was suddenly single. Carrie may have Susan beat on exposure, but Susan has Carrie beat on life's experiences. Listen in. Everyone is afraid to ask Susan Warner what it's like to be with a man after she was in a storybook marriage for 38 years. I decided to ask her that question in this podcast for all the respectful book and lifestyle writers who are interviewing Susan since the release of her memoir, Never Say Never, Never Say Always. It's a valid question in her recovery from losing her son and husband in six, six months apart. Yet Susan has been living a full, happy life for the last several years, especially since the, her daughter gave birth to her first grandchild almost a year ago. This podcast is all about how to make choices. To those who know her, it's not surprising that she leads a very satisfying existence, whether she's married or single. She believes in creating happiness, not looking for it. Susan you have said many times in your book that you've always been determined to live a fruitful and rewarding life. You lost your mother at 18. How do you manage to be happy? I think the key phrase here, Lois, is choices. I choose to live. When my mom died, and it was a shocking death when I was 18, I chose to move forward and to live. I've never had that desire to stop. So when you have conscious choices, you need to buy into it and you need to be true to yourself. So with the devastating loss of my son to suicide and then my husband's cancer six months later, I decided that no matter the pain I felt or how I was looking at the world at that point, I needed to make a right turn and live. Very interesting, I have to say, because a lot of people don't feel that way. So I'm glad that you, you, you told us that so they could reflect on that as well. Why are you so casual about marriage? Unlike most women, you don't feel compelled to be married again. Why? <laughs> Why? I was in a beautiful marriage for 38 years. I had my children. I grew with this man. I had an incredible friendship and relationship with him. And we developed who we were together. For anybody I meet now, we have a very mosaic rich life without each other so we are bringing this together and sharing what we need to share and not sharing what we don't need to share so i don't think that a piece of paper or a license is what makes this work there's a lot of complication in finances and there's a lot of complication in emotional family dynamic in marriage i'm comfortable with the word companion, all people aren't, but I am comfortable in being a partner or being a companion to a man. I don't need the ring, the license, and the piece of paper. And I also 
like being Susan Warner. I've been Susan Warner for 40 years and want to continue being Susan Warner. Do you think you're, you are unusual? You know, when I pull my friends who are married and we talk about the situation, I would say 90% of them nod their heads and say, I wouldn't want to get remarried. And that's not saying that they all don't want relationships. They just don't see the need to be married. What is marriage? Ownership? Security? Legality? I don't think paper, changing who you are, is necessary for that in this day and age. So most women I know are saying, I don't think I would get married again. Do I think I'm a little bit of a unicorn on that? Maybe when push comes to shove, I am. But I will say never say never, never say always. Maybe one day marriage will appeal to me. Maybe I'll change my attitude in five years or six months or 10 years. But now, as much as I want to be a rich companion and a partner, marriage just, just doesn't seem appealing. Hmm. Um, you've had two serious relationships with men in the last few years. Most women say there are no good men out there. How did you find two? There are good men out there. There are good women out there. It's a matter of giving people a chance, understanding that what you wanted 40 years ago is not realistic to what you need or want now, putting your priorities in order about people being good and true and honest and respectful and caring, and maybe not necessarily an Adonis or my husband was extraordinarily handsome and swept me off my feet visually as well as emotionally and understanding priorities at this age. So I think the rule of three is always a good idea. Give someone three dates. Listen, listen to yourself and understand, put your priorities in order. Know that what you want now is not what you needed before and know that there are I don't love the word compromises, but there are compromises to make about values, core values, and being good and true and not looking for DNA and not being so worried what your mother-in-law is going to be like because you're in a different phase of your life. So I believe there are good men out there. I believe there are good women out there. You just have to be open with an open heart and receive them. So what was your overall analysis of your relationships with these men? Did you like being with them and wanted it to last forever? Well, both relationships were two years plus. So obviously I liked being with them. Did I think it was going to be forever? I think I lost forever with the death of my husband and my son. I don't think forever exists anymore. I, I lived in the moment. I liked and lived and loved for where I was in my life. Sometimes things become more apparent. As time progresses, um, in my last relationship that just recently ended, we just weren't on the same page of what we wanted for the rest of our lives. It didn't mean we didn't care about each other. It didn't mean we didn't and don't love each other. We just don't want the same thing. So how is that going to work? So it's just being a little bit more analytical, a little bit more independent, a little bit more free thinking and understanding me that I need to do what's best for me. And yes, it's that. And yes, you want companionship, I do, and partnership, I do. But if we're not headed in the same direction, it's not going to work. 
So I think it takes some strength to do that, but I think it's most productive. Hmm. So unlike most women, you're not afraid of being alone. Why? After Michael died and I was not a happy person and my daughter said to me, Mom, can you even be alone? Can you be happy alone? Which felt like someone slapped me across the face. I went on a journey to like me, to entertain me, to be my best company. And it was work. It's been four or five years of work, which is why I also don't want a relationship that is um, to be someone's 100%. I can be someone's companion, and I want to be a really big part of their life, but I can't be their everything because nobody can be anybody's anything, particularly on the second go-round, I don't think. I think everybody has to have independent interests to be independent people. So once I realized that I needed to find out who I was and like myself and improve on myself to like myself and be able to look in the mirror and be happy with what I saw, that's when the fear of being alone left. There's still fear. I mean, ending a relationship, I'm still scared. I don't want to spend the rest of my life alone. I want to be in a partnership. But day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute, I'm happy with me and happy entertaining myself. But that's not to be confused with I don't want anyone or I don't need anyone. I do. I do. Just the right, has to be the right mix of love, care, values, and being on the same page. Well, all I could say is after you said that, that is a great, you know, guidance for women out there that, you know, just are giving up. And I think, and we thank you for that. So in generality, you give up. Yeah. Everybody should grow. Everybody should grow at every stage of their life. And people who choose not to, again, that's their choice. I'm not judging that. But growth in no matter where you are, married, not married, whatever you're doing, experimenting, whatever you're doing, personal growth is key to staying young, to being young, to being open hearted. And I, I can't stress open hearted enough. Relationships well, I, are complicated yeah. second stage. People think they're easy. You know, no kids. Hopefully your finances are in order, um, life, you know who you are. They are so complicated because if you have this very rich life that you're bringing into a relationship, you have to mesh it. And you want to bring a, a 50, 50, 60, 40 meld into his friends, your friends, his family, your family, your interests, his interests, and then your independent interests. So there's a lifetime of of mosaic that a puzzle that all the pieces need to fit and it is a little bit more complicated when you're young and you fall in love i met my husband at 21 we married at 22 we had a whole lifetime ahead of us to grow together to create the family to create the relationships to create the friendships to create the interests well now you own them so it is a little bit more complicated things have to mesh a little better you should grow with your new partner. Don't get me wrong. And you should influence each other and imprint each other. But there's a whole lot of um, pre-existence that needs to be accepted and and meshed together. So in generalities, why did these relationships break up? We wanted two different things out of life. Our life path may not have been the same. Not because I don't care about them. I deeply care about both of them. 
um, my first relationship, which I'm now two and a half years from, we are really good friends. And he is a really good friend to me. My current relationship, where I think his first impression when we broke up was to erase me, is no longer. You know, we're still having conversations and care about each other. It's not that we didn't care about each other or love each other. It's that we weren't on the same page. How do you make that work? You've got to be walking on the same path side by side. You can't have an argument every three weeks because one wants one thing and one wants the other. That's not healthy. So hopefully we'll stay friends and we'll work it out. But if there's no dislike or, or anger, there isn't. And that's important, I think. I, I value people. I value someone that I gave my heart to for two and a half years. I right. don't want it to, to erase. I don't want it to disappear. And we're working on that. So most women who are going to listen to this podcast, I could hear them screeching the question uh, you know, to you, so I'm going to ask it for them. Um, these men are not used to women like you. Most women want, I mean, you said your friends say not, but most women that I know and most most of the things I read, they want a commitment from a man. They want the security to know that uh, they're not going to be alone and that their finances are intact and they have a partner. And most women just, uh, you know, when I, even I fix people up, they want to be with someone and they're not as particular or, or don't think the same way you think. So I hope that they listen to this and, you know, learn that there's a, a certain amount of independence that they could rely on and life is not going to be over for them. But it's but interesting. But, your, but your, your words are very amount. interesting. But a certain amount of independence. I am not sitting here telling you that I don't want to be in a relationship or I don't want right. to be a partner. I do. You're confusing, I think, traditional marriage with companionship or partnership. And when I said to you, my friend said that they don't want to be remarried, they, I was quick to tell you they want to be in relationships. They would want right. a partner. They're just not necessarily in for the seven days a week, 365 days a year. Maybe it means that they maintain separate apartments. Maybe it means that one has a place somewhere else. Maybe it means that they don't see each other seven nights a week. But it doesn't mean that they don't want relationships or partnerships. I have found that men often quip at independent women and say, you don't need anyone. Well, that's not true. I need someone as much as anyone else. It may not be you, but I need someone. I need someone who has the same thought process as I do in wanting to see their friends maybe wanting to take a golf trip or a business trip or a pleasure trip with their college buddies or wants to go see their children solo in another town or wants to take me sometimes and sometimes not. I'm good with that. I'm good with that kind of independence. I think that there's something very special about longing for someone and missing them. My husband traveled a great deal in our marriage. It was the nature of his business in retail. And we used to say that our marriage was so wonderful because it was a constant reunion. It worked for us. It's what I've grown up with. It's what I know. And that's another reason how I established independence. So I don't think that it, it's not that I don't want to be in a relationship. It's not that I don't want commitment. I just want it with a grade of independence. So I want to challenge you a little bit because we know who you are. We are now talking mm -hmm. about the outside world. A lot of women, I, so you're going to tell me that now after 60, women don't think about 
where is this relationship going? Are you making a commitment to me or otherwise I have to move on? Does that no longer exist after 60? Look, I have the subset of me. So do I know that there are men out there that are playboys or players and want to see many women at the same time and want to juggle dates and things like that? I haven't encountered a lot of that. Most men that I've spoken to or dated or had relationships with were a more committal situation. They're not, they weren't really players where they wanted to see four or five or six women at the same time. They may have been serial daters until they found that woman. I think that men are more serial daters than women. But um, I haven't found many men that are looking to carry on simultaneously many relationships. I think most people, 60 plus, are looking for some sort of commitment. Look, they're, they're worried about health issues growing older, growing older, you know, bodies changing, growing older, faces changing, growing older, um, libido changing. So I think that more people look for relationships than look to play the field. So okay. I think the people who enter into relationships, 60 plus, are looking for relationships. I'm not sure they're looking for one-offs. Maybe they are. I'm just not aware of it. So I'm going to ask you a question that everyone's going to want to know. How difficult mm -hmm. it was it the first time you were intimate with a man other than your husband? Were you thinking about your husband during sex, comparing and making notes? Like where, where was your head in all of this? If you read my book, Never Say Never, Never Say Always, and it is not a book about grief. It's a book about living life. I don't suffer from guilt. Fortunately, I have other faults. Guilt is not one of them. So for me, it was entirely separate. Where I was going with dating and then sex was completely separate from my relationship with my husband. And I really did not find that there were three of us in the room a whole lot. I did not. I will tell you that I've come home from dates and seen him sitting in the chair in my bedroom and, and laugh with him and say, wow, you couldn't do this. Or let's see you do this. Or can you believe that one? But that's just my imagination running wild. As far as having sex and being intimate with men, guilt and bringing my husband into that room was not an issue of mine. I have had men tell me that it was for them, that the first, time, first encounters that they had were very guilt-ridden. Um, also, I didn't date till well after a year after my husband died. So I was into my journey of self at that point and removed from any intimacy with my husband. A year is a long time. A lot of men I know dated far faster and, you know, were dating a couple months after their wife died. So their distance wasn't as great. But for me, Michael does not come to play in that role. Fortunately, mm -hmm. um, ghosts of someplace else, no ghosts when it comes to in the bedroom. No. And no so, comparison. So I now think of you as a realist where the rest mm -hmm. of us may, you know, live a life of guilt or fantasy or, mm -hmm. or uh, yeah. anxiety. So you're a realist, which is refreshing and, and, and a pathway for many people that should learn to think differently. So I am a realist. Yeah, you're a realist. I am. So. I am a realist. I am. That's very well put. And I've never really classified myself that way. I am a realist. I, I understand what's available to me, what's important to me, where I should not care, where I should care, I think. And 
and what is core, what is non-compromising, like respect, like core values, like um, respect. <laughs> so that's key to me. So yes, I am a realist and I am willing to, to move right or left on frivolous things, but the core things I hold tight to. So a lot of people know that I know you and that we're working mm -hmm. together. And no, I'm not asking you how many encounters you've had. It's none of our business, nor does it mean anything to this podcast. But with a lot of the men that you met after 60, was it better with them in bed or was it better, you know, being out and about with them? I mean, was there ever a comparison or you never thought about it? Oh, that's a really good question. And, and um, I, I needed to think about that. So, there are two sides to this, three sides to this. One thing that I found really interesting is, is that many people who are divorced or widowed in their 50s, 60s, embark on a journey of sexual discovery. That sometimes they were in marriages for 30 plus years and things were a bit routinized and they may have entered that relationship when they were young and there was no other, they only did it one way with one person. And then they kind of hit this candy store of women who are looking different, acting different, um, different sexualities, different drives, different likes. And I think that there is a bit of a um, experimental candy store kind of, I'm going to try this. I, I wasn't this person. Maybe I want to be this person. Maybe I want to do it this way. Maybe I want to do things that my wife or husband didn't want to do. So that is one part. Second part is it's new, the new partner. So you went into your marriage thinking that this was end game and it's not. So I think that's interesting. Do I want to stop here? Do I want to keep going? Is this good for me? Do I like it? Am I good at it? Because you had the same partner for so long. And then the third part is the companionship. And that is key. Um, when you're younger and you're raising children and you're in your careers, et cetera, you develop a companionship. I think that the most successful marriages are those where their husband or wife is their best friend as well. I think as you get older, the best relationships are where your partner is one of your best friends as well. That you travel well together, that you like to eat, experiment with food, and you may like the same music, or you introduce each other to your likes and dislikes. So I think there's sexual um, experimentation, I think partnering is really important to people who like to do things together to learn how to live life. A lot of times with post-60, you have more free time, no children to worry about, and you are maybe phasing your career down or you're doing it your way, so you have more free time to travel or to be with them, so you better like them a lot. And then right. there's the idea that you just found this whole new life where you have choices, how someone looks at you differently, touches you differently, has sex with you differently. And that can be fun and exciting and new. Were the encounters embarrassing in any way? How do people, you know, who are in the senior years cope with all of that? My revelation about that is that when you are with your husband, wife, partner for 30 years, you mourn the, the loss of youth. They knew you when you were 21 and nubile and, you know, rock hard and beautiful. And you've aged and they've aged. 
When you enter a relationship with someone now, this is what you get. You are both in the same place. You are getting the body that they are and the space that they are and the person they are with no history. So I don't find it at all so. I think it's the opposite. I think there's a freedom to it because if you've taken care of yourself and you're in good position for your age, then you're, you know, you're Barbie. If you haven't, and the man hasn't either, then you are on the same playing field. So I think that there's a freedom to your aged body in a relationship that has no history. And I think that it's very freeing. And also, if you choose to decide to have sex with your nightgown on or your your tank top, go ahead. And if a man chooses to with his T-shirt on or whatever, rules are yours. Go for it. And I think that's very freeing when you're older than when you're younger. You know, you're not really worried about social media and how every influencer looks or how every star looks, starlet looks. And if there's someone your age who looks great, you say, wow, she looks great. Who is her doctor? <laughs> not so much, you know, wow. So I think there's a freedom to the body that you give forward is the only body they know, male or female. And the rules are yours to make and yours to keep and yours to break. And I really like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very encouraging. So what <laughs> should both sides expect from each other? Are there expectations? Uh, that's a, that, you know, I think that sexual people find sexual people. I think that um, smart people find smart people. Interesting people find interesting people. So I think the expectations are more emotional, more physical, and less futuristic. Like, how are we going to grow old together? I don't think that's as important as, you know, how are we going to have children together? What kind of father is he going to be? What kind of mother is she going to be? How, you know, I don't like her siblings. How's that going to work? I can't stand my father-in-law. I can't stand my mother-in-law. Those issues go away. And it's more about this partner who's going to travel the next chapter with you. As I said, do you like to travel together? Do you like movies? Do you love theater? Do you love restaurants? You know, do you love the country? Do you want to ski? It's more superficially entertaining, which is really something you've earned and deserved, and it's wonderful. I still will say nothing in this relationship should be transactional. Love shouldn't be transactional. Sex shouldn't be transactional. Gifts shouldn't be transactional. Emotions shouldn't be transactional. And that's really important. That's something that I stand very dear to. I don't because believe in transactional behavior. Most people feel it. They do. Yes. And I think men feel it more than women, that mm-hmm. behavior is transactional. And I feel very strongly that the person that I am with should not expect transactional behavior. I do something because I want to. I don't expect something back from it. Be that sexual, be that emotional, be that gifting, be that. Uh, intellectual. I don't expect something back. I give it because I want to give it. And don't give to me if you're expecting a transaction. I don't care for that. So, Susan, where do you go from here? Are you going to take a break or search for another long-term relationship? What's up? I hope that it's not so overt. As I said, I'm not an Excel spreadsheet kind of date person. So I'm hoping organically that I will meet someone. Yes. I want to, I'm a really good partner. I share emotionally. I share 
intellectually, I share business-wise, I share my family and my friends, I share love. Um, do, do I have my own personal problems? Of course, we all do. Baggage, I mean, we all do. I mean, from my book alone, I lost my son and husband six months apart. Of course I do. But everybody has scars. It's the scars that make us more distinctive, more beautiful. You know, if you chop off a limb of a tree, chances are a more beautiful limb will grow somewhere else. And that's how I look at my life. So yes, I hope that there is someone else that will want to live the way I want to live, who will want to love the way I want to love, who will want to love me the way I want to love them. But again, it's not an overt, got to do it, got to get in the path, got to get on the road. I hope that it will come organically. What recommendations can you give to other women looking for serious relationships? Know yourself, love yourself, do what's best for you. Self-preservation is key. If you don't want to do something sexually, emotionally, physically, don't do it. Don't get bullied. Be true to yourself and keep an open heart. That is so important. When you smile at someone, when you listen to someone, when you care, they care, they listen, they smile back. So I think that's super important. But be true to yourself, like yourself, work to be able to close the door and be happy in the company you're in. That's key. So I've and compromising you, is yeah. good. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, compromising I was is good, but compromising is only good if it's ancillary things that aren't the core of who you are. Absolutely. So then that, that begs the question, why are you so successful while others are not? so successful. I'm not married. I'm not right now in a long-term relationship. I mean, I've had wonderful relationships with two wonderful men. They didn't work out. So I'm not so successful. I am like everybody else. Um, yes, but you manage to have those long relationships when there's women out there five, six years still looking for the second date or the first date. Open your heart like yourself. Know what's important to you. I, I, I think that we're all capable of having those relationships. You just have to be realistic. You said I'm a realist. That's a really great word in, in right. this. You have to be realistic in what works for you, what you want to put aside that's important, and what is not important. You know, Maya Angelou said that when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. And I think that's really, really important. People tell you who they are on the first or second date. Listen. Pay wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you, they're telling you who you are. I tell people who I am. Listen. And men tell you who they are. Listen. Yeah, a lot of people and like to change other people so they don't listen so carefully. Or say it's not true. Or right. it can be different. People tell you who you are, who they are. Listen to them. So I think that's my advice to women and men. So since you've been giving out a lot of advice, we know that you just ended a, rela <laughs> ended a relationship. So I guess another question to end this 30th podcast be, would be, so what have you been thinking about the last few weeks? I mean, it has to be somewhat of a down period. Well, sure. I'm sad. I'm sad that, that it didn't, you know, it, it's not working. Uh, I'm sad that we invested so much in each other and we miss each other. But I'm happy that I had this great relationship 
and I learned from it and I grew from it. And I, I met another person that I connected to that I have, you know, a lot of feelings for. And, and there's hope that there are other people out there also who will care about me like that. But there's, you know, there's, it's also a blue time where you get introspective and you try to mix it all up again and see what you can, what really great thing you can bake out of who you are now. Hmm. And learn. I learn. I learn from every relationship I'm in. And I learn that love isn't always enough. You have to be on the same page in life. And I think that's true for why people get divorced. And remember, I was widowed. It, I wasn't divorced. And it's only a hypothetical. But I think people get divorced because sometimes they enter relationships thinking love is enough. It isn't. You have to want the same things, want to walk on the same path, you know, have commonality, have a good sex life, and you have to love. So it's a mixture of a lot of good ingredients. If you put good ingredients in, you should get something really good out. But again, listen to who these people are. When they tell you what they want, don't say, I can change it, or it's going to be different. It probably isn't. Maybe in a few years, maybe if you meet it another time, it will be. But at the onset, probably not. So, Susan, you have really shared things that most people just don't have the capability to share. So we really thank you. And the fact that you got really personal about your own life, people know that you are real that mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're an inspiration. So we really thank you. And we'll see you for Podcast 31.